Good morning and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is really to help you uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism and create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and often I get asked the question, is it really possible to dismantle racism? And I believe that if each of us do what we can, where we can, and when we can, we really can change the status quo. Today on our show, we're going to be talking about waking up in the racial matrix. And I'm so delighted to have my guest here today to talk about this really important uh, topic and this idea of waking up. But before we get started, I want to invite us into our place of peace, because we know that talking about racism can often generate feelings inside of us, uh, feelings of frustration and overwhelm an anxiety that permeates our very being. So we, what we want to do always is to find our breath, to find our centering place so that we can engage in a conversation that is one that is very productive and educational. And we learn ways in which we can do what we can, where we can with what we have. So I invite us to center ourselves for a moment. Close your eyes, if you would. Placing your feet on the ground below you or the floor. And then take a moment to find your breath. To tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence which is that divine part of you that allows you to make choices that will manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. And as you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are part of a shared humanity and carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of the change that you really want to see in the world. Take a deep breath in and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin our show. Mm. You know, those who do not face the direct consequences of racism have the luxury of really being blind to its evils. But since Black Lives Matter and since 2020, really, there was this splurge of, I guess I shouldn't say splurge, that would be the wrong word. I would say there was this disruption of a conversation around racism. And so if people are blind to racism at this point, it's a choice. People are indeed waking up throughout the world and the country. And today I'm going to be delving into this conversation around waking up with my guest, Laura Rubenstein, and 
we kind of look at it as waking up in the racial matrix. Now, those of you who are fans of the matrix, you know what it's like to wake up and then find that your world is completely different than what you thought it was. And for some people in 2020, it's not that they didn't know that racism existed. Of course they did, but not the magnitude. And they didn't realize how deeply entrenched it is in our society and in our world. And so it feels like, oh my goodness, I've been living in another world. So how does a person who benefits from white privilege support the many shifts that will lead to equity? So today we're going to be talking about it with my guest, Laura Rubenstein, Rubenstein, sorry. <laughs> it, it, it comes from growing up in the South and we would call, we had a person that we call Steen instead of Stein. So forgive me, but Laura is a thought leader um, and Laura is one of those individuals that if you need information around digital media and marketing strategists, she is your person. She is also a hypnotherapist, a speaker, international best-selling author, award-winning small business consultant. And for over 20 years, she stepped into a world of marketing where she has really helped over 1,500 brands to grow. And she is the creator of the Feminine Power Cards and Ignite Your Feminine Flow, which we want to talk about a little bit today as well to see how it all relates to really dismantling racism. But we'll begin our conversation around Laura's personal uh, transformation in this area. And so I want to welcome to the show today, Laura Rubenstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here, Terlyn. I am always so thrilled because many of the guests who are on the show are individuals that I've worked with professionally, and then we've, we've developed these budding friendships, and it helps me in many ways to know and to even understand what this journey has been like for you around awakening to racism. So I, I really do, again, thank you for being on, on the show so that we can really talk about some of the things that we've, we've talked about from a business perspective, as well as from a personal perspective, because we want to help people out here to see. It's not that you have to do something really grand and big. You don't have to go out and try to change the world, but it's what you can do in your own corner of the world. So to get us started, it's always important for me to know what is it that grounds you, period, in your daily work that helps you get going? And, and the reason why I ask this question, one, because for those of us who are doing work of racial equity, it's really important for us to have a way of grounding ourselves. But two, because, you know, I talk about sacred intelligence, this ability to tap into the best in who we are to really take our talents out into the world, whatever those talents are. So for you, what helps to ground you in your knowingness and to do the work that you do on racial equity and the work that you do even in helping the rest of us in, in our branding strategies? Well, I would say that I do ascribe to these philosophy of taking care of putting on your mask first before you put on somebody else's. So I, there's this word balance that seems to be very elusive, but I've always had a sense of what that balance, what is for me. 
In fact, my mother said at one point, you know, even when I'd watch you on the playground, you knew whether you could go down that slide or not, or you, you weren't mm. going to take an extra risk that was going to put you in um, jeopardy. There was some sort of sense of balance and what was right and wrong and, and things like that. So for yourself, you know, what you needed to take care of your safety. And I kind of looked to that first mm. and then I'll use tools. Mm -hmm. tools of hypnosis the tools of breathing i mean that is like the most powerful tool we have at our uh self and you know so things of taking care of myself would include you know regular getting out my body moving um eating well um having warm loving people in my life like you mm -hmm. <laughs> so, oh, thank you yeah no thank you, you know, really I, I i really can't reiterate enough how important it is to take care of ourselves. And so I love hearing you talk about that. And I happen to know personally, you love doing these long hikes, which, yes. which is also very <laughs> rewarding as well. So Laura, let's jump into it. You know, um, when we have talked with one another before, I know that you didn't just wake up to racism in 2020, but there was something different about 2020, there was this, for one, I think the country itself began to talk about it a bit more. And so as you have continued your journey since 2020, what are some of the challenges that you're facing with dismantling racism? Well, I would say a lot of times I feel blind. I don't know. I, I don't, I may not even see it. When I do see it, I don't know what to do or when to, you know, when to do it. Is there something I'm missing? I always kind of ask that question. It's like, what am I missing? Because, you know, like you said, my experience has been, uh, I, this is not the first time I faced my racism and, and some racism out there. And I thought, you know, it wasn't that bad. Like most people, you know, it's bad. There are certain sections of the population, but now it's so, it's so magnified in, in my life to mm. where I can see it now. It's like, I did take that red pill and I can see it. Mm. And, and then, and then when I do see it more, especially in people who haven't taken that pill, um, <laughs> other white presenting people uh, that like, Oh, I have all kinds of friends and there's not this problem out there. Um, mm. So getting the message across to others that it is a problem and it hurts us all. Yeah. Well, so that is the big thing, right? Because so people don't think if you're white, you know, you, you, you might be, you know, one of those people who say, well, it's not impacting me or I can continue to ignore this situation but it actually does impact us all. And I say that each time I'm talking with a guest on the show, because, you know, quite frankly, and I think I've used this before, my children go to schools right now where there are bomb threats almost every other week. Well, the resources that it takes to go to that school to see, is there really a bomb? That's really impacting all of us. That's just one example. But, you know, I, I, I appreciate you saying like taking this red pill because George Floyd was one of thousands of people who've been killed, who've been lynched is what I call it. Cause you know, before this modern day lynching, there were other lynchings where people would just go out and just watch these lynching happen. And I believe that any time that 
a black or brown person is killed by the police, it's a type of lynching. And I know that that's a broad statement to make, but from the ones that we have been able to see, it's a type of lynching, particularly when there's no provocation that's going on and it escalates to that point, right? And so those are the ones that I'm referring to as a, a lynching. I'm not talking about every single case here. But here's the thing, that was happening before George Floyd. And so I wonder, you know, why people just kept walking through this maze. We so, didn't have a, we didn't know. We didn't acknowledge what we could, we couldn't even see, you know, because we're not living it. Mm. Like you said, it's like, uh, for me, it was like, I've seen it, but I didn't get the magnitude. I didn't know that this lynchings were happening. I didn't even know about the lynchings in the past because I hadn't studied it. In my so public Lord, education. You're telling me that you have grown up in this country and you weren't familiar with the lynchings that happened in years past, and there were over 3,000 lynchings to have occurred. If I was, it didn't register. Like if I was taught it, it was a line in a book. Well, I doubt you were taught it. Right. And this is why people don't right. want. This I wasn't taught it. I will tell you, I wasn't theory. taught it, and I wasn't a really focused on it. If I ever had it in my, come up in. Yeah. And here's the, here's the sad part about all of this, Laura. And this goes back to how this impacts all of us. And we're going to have to come to a break in, in just a minute. But here's really the sad part. If I'm not mistaken, actually, the first lynching to occur in this country was in New York. And it was the lynching of a Jewish man. And, and what's, what is, is interesting in, in, in this idea of this country covering up our history and, and racism is that we all need to understand how we've all been impacted by this and that we're really not that different from each other. And so, so here we are, here's the history of this happening in New York. All of it is around race. All of it is around race and segregating and othering people. And that's the fear people have of talking about racism because race, it's okay to talk about race. But to talk about racism, people are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid to dig in and hear what this country is truly, truly like. And the thing is, Laura, when, when I hear you say, I didn't know about the past lynchings, I, I get that. But the modern day ones, you've heard of Trayvon Martin, Philander Castile, you know, um, Michael Brown, I'm guessing you have. These are modern day lynchings. And I think that what happens is we hear about them and we do exactly what we do around school shootings. Another school shooting that happened, right? And so, and I'm not saying you, you, Laura, I'm saying what happens is I think for all of us, but particularly for white people who may not feel that they're impacted, there's like this, huh? Okay. And, and on top of that, quite frankly, and this is an unconscious thing, people are, are taught not to see us, but we're going to take a break and I'll come back 
to that point because I know some people want to know, well, what exactly does that mean? But we have to take a quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism show. My guest today is Laura Rubenstein. Laura, before the break, we were getting into this conversation around lynching and modern day lynching. And you uh, indicated that, you know, you didn't know really the, the past history of lynching and then even the unseeing of what was going on or is going on in this country today. And, and I made a statement before the break about that's because we're practically invisible to people. One of the things as a person of color that I have often had to deal with, and I know other folks of color have had to deal with, is that we are virtually unseen. There have been instances of where we can work closely with a person at work. If they see us out of context, they will walk right, right past us as if we don't exist because they don't, they don't see us out of context. They don't, they're not paying enough attention to who is that person of color in front of me. Or when we're waiting in line and say we're going out to a restaurant and we're waiting in line for something to, to be seated and the hostess chooses to seat a white person who's behind us, because virtually we don't exist. These are some of the things that I often talk about, you know, when I'm training people, you know, in my classes to say, this is how racism shows up every day. And so I think what happened for us in 2020, um, and I'm saying us as a country is that people began to look, 
began to look a little bit more closely. And that's the part of the matrix, right? Is to say, wait a minute, what the heck is going on? And one of my 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 favorite sort of conversations that I that I had with a person, uh, and I shouldn't say favorite, it was a it was a gut-wrenching conversation. And this person was talking about, well, if I'm feeling this way, you must be feeling horrible because she was so angry and upset about what was going on. And she said, and I can't imagine what you're going through, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I didn't just wake up black yesterday. I have been black for over 50 years. So, you know, it, I'm deeply impacted by it, but I've had a longer time than a lot of people who are just waking up to figure out how to navigate this, this system. And so I want to ask you in terms of thinking about um, your own privilege, because we want to get into that a bit. Do you think that there's an opportunity for you as a white person and with white privilege to dismantle racism? I hope so. <laughs> You know, like you said, in everyday occurrences where I can now see it, what can I do? I'm, you know, I explore it. I see Black people now, you know, more than ever. And I do think we're blind to all kinds of people. But for most part, what I've been most curious about is how have I been and how can I not be blind anymore? And when I see things like what you described at a restaurant, you know, how do I dismantle racism? I could say something and say, mm-hmm. no, they were here first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, white privilege is actually the privilege every person should have. Mm-hmm. So looking for opportunities for making sure people are treated well. And when I'm present mm-hmm. <laughs> is in, in doing my you know, I don't think I have all the words. I don't think I have all the skills uh, to address it because it is people are so used to not seeing, not acknowledging. Right. And and if I can do one thing to tap somebody on the shoulder, not literally, but mm-hmm. just by my way of being and modeling something, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one way. I, I don't know how big of an impact it's going to have, but, you know, the big impact stuff is not what I'm going to do in the moment. Mm. It's, and so, and, and, and part of it is about the noticing and the awareness, because there are things that happen every single day, such as if, if, if you're in a store and you notice a person of color being harassed, and, and, and what society has taught us, so as we talk about waking up in the matrix, society has taught us that if we see people who look a certain way and they're being harassed by someone, we think that it's all about them, that they must have done something wrong. You know, when people are pulled over by the police, they say, oh, they must have done something wrong. Well, know the history of how the police typically pull over black and brown people more than they pull over white people. If you know that, you can begin to, to question it, right? Um, and, and even sometimes as people of color, we might go, oh, what did you do? Why did the police stop you? Well, I didn't do anything. I'm driving down the street, right? Or noticing whether people of color are followed, you know, in a store. Those sorts of things. It's the noticing 
in order to disrupt it. And that's where people can use their white privilege because it's important for us, any of us who stand in a place of privilege is to be able to use that to help empower those who are not. And another thought I have is about actions of transcending racism. Like, like I said, treating people like you would anybody, like that's a normal human thing to do. Like, so the other week I was at the store and a woman, of a black woman was in front of me and she dropped her headphones. Now, maybe in the past when I wasn't, hadn't taken the red pill, I would have ignored it feeling awkward to approach her, but I'm a person who helps people. If I see them drop a, a, you know, a baby drops a bottle, you know, I pick it up and say, mom, you missed this. Here's the bottle. And they'll say, thank you or whatever. And so I like, I just look for the opportunities to treat people well. And I'm more sensitive now to black people because of, I know more people because I haven't been, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. But, but Laura, you just said something interesting and I, and I want us to just go there just for a moment because you said before I may not have helped her because I would have felt awkward. Why would you have felt awkward? If people are just people, yeah. why feel awkward? Right. Well, people are, di- well, you know, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. But like I said, I was in the matrix. I was part of the blind spot, you know, mm. participating in that blind, not seeing. So mm. I might not have seen it. I might think that my place in society is not to say something. Mm. But, but I think a part of what happens, if we're, if we're really going to dig into this, I think one, the not noticing, like we talked about people just being blind to, to us. But secondly, I think that, white people are trained to fear us. It's a socialization because every time, I love how Michael Moore, Michael Moore did this this, uh, film at one point on Columbine. And in the film, he really put together how often the news will associate a black man as a suspect. And if you see that all the time, you're taught to fear black men, which is why people readily pull out their guns and they're and, and, and shoot as right. opposed to, that's why that's why people will say there's a black man threatening me in the park or I can blame a black person for this because we've been socialized to say that black people are to be feared even when black women speak mm. because if we don't understand each other and the ways we communicate differently I'm passionate when I speak. I'm not always speaking with a smile on my face. That doesn't mean that I'm angry, but, but I, it's the way we communicate with one another. And there are times when people will say, um, you know, I was afraid. Weren't you afraid in that situation? Or, or like, um, you know, uh, when Gail King was interviewing um, R. Kelly and he got up and he was all expressive you know, and he was yelling when he was talking to her. And the co-host of, of the, the show, uh, uh, the morning show with, with Gail King, she said, Gail, I felt afraid. Weren't you afraid in that moment? And she said, no. <laughs> and she was cool as a cucumber because she just sat there and she went, Robert. And so there are times, you know, I can see someone being expressive who 
looks like me. And I don't, and they, and they can be speaking with a lot of things and it doesn't affect me in terms of fear because I know how they are expressing themselves. Alternatively though, when you're in white settings and you express yourself like that, you'll say, oh my goodness, I felt afraid. And I'm like, what were you afraid of? Or I've seen people also do things and say, why are you attacking me? In a conversation like this, if there's a little energy, why are you attacking me? So I think that those are the real things for, for like, we have to really take a look at in this matrix that, that we're living in. But Laura, there's so much to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want you to really be thinking about uh, what are some white privileges that you enjoy and that you don't want to give up? So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Let's take a quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back. My guest today is Laura Rubenstein, and we have been talking about waking up in the racial matrix. And Laura, I just want to thank you again so much for coming on to have having this conversation, this very real conversation, because I know to talk about racism is a very difficult topic. And I know that there's a certain amount of vulnerability that's necessary to have this real conversation. And I also know because you're in California, it's very early for you. So I want to thank you so much for for starting your day with me. Before the break, I asked you to think about what are some of the white privileges that you enjoy and that you don't want to give up. And I want to just tell you why I'm asking that question. 
often when I do this work, I, I, a part of the resistance of white folks is that there's a, this, this feel of like, you're taking something away from me. And that's a part of what's happening with the people who fight this and the people who are so against, you know, any sort of change in this country. It's like, no, you're taking what's mine. And we're, and we want people to understand that racial equity isn't really just about taking from you so that I can have, but it's really the word equity means that I want a little bit of what you have. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what are some white privileges you enjoy? And are there things that you fear in terms of giving up, you know, white privilege? I think I'm looking for more. Uh, I, I keep looking like, oh, and, and the way I do it is, and my husband has uh, kind of started that is like, what if I were black? Right. If I play that game in my mind and I'm I'm, for example, I'm we have a community college nearby and we go walking there mm-hmm. and there's campus police. And what if I were black? Mm-hmm. We would probably be stopped. But we were not as white people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so I see, oh, you know, like I couldn't have seen that before because I take it for granted. And like you said, you know. It doesn't take anything away from any white person if a you know black person's not stopped on campus, right? If they're treated right. equally, there's nothing. In fact, it kind of normalizes our life instead of um, instead of being this weird set of rules that are out there and fears. Yeah, so I would hope that a campus police, I have a fear that maybe a campus police isn't going to stop a white guy. And now I can, you know, it's there's not equity here. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyone suspicious, I, you know, when you think about affordability and uh, neighborhoods and schooling, I mean, why, why don't we have a system of schooling where teachers are paid equally in all schools? You know, like they're doing the same job. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the quality of schooling that gets done. Like, why do parents want to live in better neighborhoods? Because there's better schools. Mm -hmm. You know, there should be a whole that that system is so messed up, (laughs) you know. Well, and I was going to say, Laura, if we get into that, because, you know, the people who are listening, because I pay higher taxes, that's why my school is better. But it still boils down to like the whole redlining and all of that. So it's, yeah, but, you know, that that was a construct set up. Exactly. And it is, you know, okay. But I mean, it's not okay. It's, it, that's the way it is now. Is it right? Is it is it providing? Why wouldn't we divide some of the money up more equally? Mm-hmm. If everybody, if we want a nation that's literate, that is, you know, everybody's able to contribute in a, in the, from the best of who they are, then why wouldn't we want to funnel some of the money from wealthier communities into poorer communities? It's like. Come on, people, you know, and it goes I want my white folks. I want my kids to have the best education. Why don't you want everybody to have the best? Why does that do either or, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Laura, that goes back to how racism impacts all of us, right? Because if you think right. about it, so just in the analogies that you're giving or the examples that you're giving, when people are um, not paying attention to how much money is poured into schools, 
where the populations are mostly black and brown and where kids are not getting the education they need, they're missing out on top talent that's probably available in those schools, not probably that is available in those schools because I've worked on them. And so I know, but there's no focus on the resources to help bring them up so that they'll be able for many kids to compete with the other kids. So you're missing out on that perspective. The other thing that you just mentioned, you said, "I I might be afraid that they aren't going to stop like a white person who's doing something. Well, that's exactly right. Because we do know that there are many instances of where white people can walk into a setting. Nobody's checking to see if they have a gun. Or if you're Kyle Rittenhouse, you can walk right into a crowd with your gun. That would not happen with a person of color. That person would have been dead. Right? So so we all suffer when we don't address what the issues are. And racism is a deadly, a deadly uh, virus for us not to address. So I think I I really appreciate your point with that. And I appreciate you talking about just even using that one example of, or two examples of your white privilege, you know, being able to walk and not worry about somebody pulling you over or uh, having you know, good education. Now, if you're poor white in this country, you don't have it either, but that's also steeped in racism as well, right? Um, And so there are many white privileges, yes, that you get that people of color don't have. And so it's important. I love that you say, that you say, what if I were black? Because that's actually one of the things that I do in my training classes to get people to see what if they were black. I actually have them to do a little practice around that. Yeah, that's a red pill exercise. You know, it's like, how do you, you know, like what if I were black and I'm driving a car, you know, on the freeway and it's a nicer car. You know, what if I were black and I'm in a store in a, in a fancy neighborhood? What if I were black and I'm wearing a hoodie, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think about those things and it really helps me stay awake that there is still this, issue out there because I get to go home and go to sleep, not being in a black suit, you know, and I'm not black. So, um, but every black person doesn't. And it's the only way I can try in the suit is to ask the question of myself, look for it. Yeah. Do you, so, or even with that, with asking yourself that question, do you think that there are ways that you consciously and unconsciously perpetuate racism. And I know that's a tough one because if you say, well, I consciously perpetuate it, then it's like, why are you doing that? But, but there are some things that we, we know that it's a privilege for us and we are going to do it anyway because it benefits us. Well, I'm certainly trying to be aware of where I do consciously. And I think just by my you know, I don't even know. It's like, am I, am I consciously perpetuating any racism as little as possible? (laughs) You know, that's why I ask myself the question. That's why I read books and take classes and listen to podcasts 
when I can. It's not like I'm 24 seven, I'm not earning a PhD or anything on this, but I'm, I'm willing at least to look at what's going on out there and look at things in a different way so that when an opportunity comes my way where I'm, well, I think every white person is benefiting from white privilege because we have this inequity. Mm-hmm. Why I, I would love to see it become human privilege and mm-hmm. that my, I see my role as how, where can I be a role model of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's human privilege that no, I wasn't because I'm white. I don't get that. However, I was thinking yesterday, I heard a story on NPR about how the Ukrainian um, refugees are getting preferential treatment to entering the country over the Mexican. And I'm like, well, if I was Ukrainian, I'd want to use my white privilege. Yeah. But at the same time, the story was how those Ukrainians were also saying everybody should be let in. You know, there's no reason why the Ukrainians over the Mexican people who are both suffering from tragedies in their own countries. And I don't think people realize that because we've been indoctrinated by politicians and rhetoric out there that the Mexicans are a problem to be here. Our country is 99%, you know, um, foreigners (laughs) of foreign descent. We're immigrants. Exactly. What makes us great. And so, you know, including the black people, right? It's like, we're all of that. And it's, we are so unique and we are so blessed. And that's where the focus of my upbringing has been. You know, so why didn't going back to the earlier thing? Why didn't I learn about lynchings? Because I was focused on the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, I thought it was the present, but it's the future um, of where we are better because we're all here. And yeah, we have immigration laws, but they are broken and they are not equal. And mm-hmm. do we need to stop people from coming into our country? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the bigger issues on like p- good people. Most people yeah. are good people. Yeah. So, so it's interesting, Laura, that you say that you were focused on the future because there's this phrase called, um, it's called Sankofa. And it's about going back, looking at our history and picking up kernels from our history in order to go forward. And we have to know the history of this country in order to move forward. We have to know if if we don't really recognize what has happened in this country, then even when we have our day-to-day interactions with one another and we don't know why a person is offended, we're offended because of whatever has happened because of history. But when we know our history, we can do better. And then we can even engage in the conversation in order to help us move forward. Yeah. And as a Jew, being brought up Jewish, we were always taught never forget. And what did that yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, the Holocaust, you yeah. know, like yeah. we have to be vigilant for of the past so we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Yeah. Otherwise, we're like spiraling. So, yes, I want to create this future. Um, I was given, you know, a little slice of the past. But mm-hmm. as I delve more into it, I can be more consciously creating that future. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, one of the other things, you know, people are like, is it possible to dismantle racism? So this future that you're talking about, that's for those of us who are here to do now. 
we may not see the complete elimination of it in our lifetime, but we're not here as solo beings. We're here because we're all interconnected. We're connected with our past and we're connected with our future. And unless we do the work that we have to do now, unless we make some sacrifices, the way will still remain the same for those who are coming after us. And so the question is, can we really dismantle racism has more to do with, can we live outside of simply what's best for us and think about how we're going to help the future. But Laura, we have to take a quick break. And when we come back, what I really would like to talk about, you know, you do a lot of work around the feminine and igniting the feminine flow and, and, and all of these um, ideas. And one of the things that has been talked about in the past about women are the ones to heal the world. Not saying that men can't do it. Please, men, to my listeners, yes, you can. But there's something about the feminine energy, the nurturing part of us, and that, that we're different. And so if we could talk about that a little bit when we come back from the break, I would really like to, okay? So we will be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with Dismantle Racism. My guest today has been the wonderful Laura Rubenstein. And Laura, before the break, we talked about, we were, we were getting ready to get into this feminine energy of being able to heal the land, to heal the world. Talk to me about the work that you do around feminine energy. 
Oh, goodness. So the feminine is something I started exploring about 23 years ago, and nobody was really talking about it. <laughs> and I just knew that I wasn't happy. I had no access to my own joy. I didn't like myself, which I came to realize I didn't know that <laughs> at the time. I thought it was everything out there needed to shift. And the minute I heard someone say, you, you know, there's this really amazingly powerful energy out there. In fact, it's the most powerful energy there is called feminine power. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I think I need to know. So I started exploring it and I, um, I found it the most healing thing for me <laughs> to fall in love with who I am as a human being and then to see how I could impact everyone else that I came in contact with, their response to me was completely different when I tapped into my own feminine energy. And I'm like, oh, I can have a bigger impact mm -hmm. by tapping into that more aware, more loving, more heart-centered is a really good way to, to say it versus my defensive, rough around the edges, yeah. you know, way that I had just you know, I'm hear me woman, I am woman, hear me roar <laughs> place. And without taking away any of the feminist movement, but bringing back in of what that brought women, um, but bringing in that very strong ability that love has. Um, so as I got these nuggets, I created the feminine power cards. Um, and they became my kind of guide to uh, how to shift things in my world, how I experience life. I actually pulled a card for our viewers today. If you'd like me to share that one, I would like you to share it. So the way that the cards are set up is they are uh, a principle on one side, the pink side and the blue side has a, the practice. So this principle I pulled is your thinking got you to this place. If you want to create something different, think differently. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a perfect message for today. Yes, yes, yes. Right? What we're talking about with racism and, um, and it just makes us say, oh, there's more to healing, to solving problems than just what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And in order to think differently, sometimes you have to do something differently. So here's the practice. Um, pray for a shift in perspective. Mm. Allow the problem to solve itself. And I'm not saying that go in denial about the problem out there, but allow the problem to be present mm -hmm. and reveal its wisdom to you. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. You know, because... <laughs> Of course, it goes back into how I think about in terms of just going inward, right? But but that's the beauty of dismantling racism. The answer is there for you, the individual, the particular thing that you need to do. And it sounds like when you're talking about, you know, the feminine energy and understanding who you are, you, you, you can't heal the country unless you understand who you are first. And so it's beautiful, the work that you're doing you know, around the feminine energy, but also it all ties back in to the work that you're doing 
with dismantling racism. And you're not out there marching in the streets, but you're living your life. What, what, what we've talked about today is that you are living your life day to day as you were with the exception is that there's an intent now for me to see racism and me to do something about it. So, and I, I think that's the beauty of, of this conversation is, is to help people because it's so overwhelming to think about how would I possibly dismantle racism? We do it bit by bit by bit. And that's what you are, are showing. So do you think that there's a special place though for women in this particular movement? Absolutely. I mean, when we bring women into leadership roles and uh, counsel, counsel, uh, there is a, it can happen so much quicker. The feminine is nonlinear. Mm. It can shift things like that when it's embraced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it's with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. When it's honored and uh, it is utilized for good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Laura, I know that you do a lot of work um, with women, and uh, well, you do a lot of work around your brand strategy with anybody, but I know you also do work um, with with women in particular around this area of igniting your feminine flow. So how would our audience get in touch with you for either of those things, whether it be brand strategy or, um, you know, igniting the feminine flow? A great place to start is on my main website, which is transformtoday.com. And uh, if the, anybody wants the feminine power cards, they're at femininepowercards.com and you can get in touch with me for the ignite the feminine flow work as well on either one of those sites. Mm, great. And it will be posted on our site as well. Laura, I want to thank you for coming and just ask before um, I invite you to do a blessing uh, to, to send us on. Is there anything else that you feel that you'd like to share with the audience before we go? Yeah, in that, with regard to the feminine, what you said, I feel, and I think I've alluded to it earlier, it's, for me, it's about being the model of what I want to see in the world. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. So I want to thank our guests today for being here. And I also want to invite my guests. I, my book will be launching on April 20th. In the book is Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. I'm so excited about it because I really do explore in the book how we begin with ourselves and how do we maintain really a faith that it is possible to dismantle racism. So I invite you to go to sacredintelligence.com, dismantle book. And you can actually pick up a copy. Well, you can pre-order it. You can't really get the book today, but you can pre-order it now if you go to that link and just, um, you know, be ready for April 20th when the launch happens, because really each one of us has a job to do in this road to dismantling racism. So I want to support you on that journey. Thank you so much for being on our show today. And I want to ask uh, Laura, as I, as I thank you again for being on the show, could you please, please 
uh, leave us with a blessing. My pleasure. May we as a society and an individuals move from hate to love. May we forgive the past and our own ignorance. For the sake of humanity, may all those suffering from the effects of racism experience deep healing and those actively perpetuating have the courage to look fear in the face and take a turn toward connection and expand their hearts for equality, making something right. And may we experience the true wealth of creating more harmony and peace in our country and in our world. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Laura. And I invite my guests to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. 
Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 